Welcome to Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. Today we continue our sermon series, The Love Languages of God. What is worse than your cat gifting you with a dead bird or mouse? Are all good gifts really sent from heaven above? Join us for the message, Loving Through Gifts. Good morning and welcome to worship here at Trinity United Methodist Church in Duncanville, Texas. What is worse than your cat gifting you with a dead mouse or bird? And are all good gifts really sent from heaven above? We'll be exploring that a little bit later in our message, Loving Through Gifts. I would also like to invite you, if you've not done so already, to give a gift to the ministry of this church. Again, you can do that uh, through our website, tumcd.org, through our church center app, or through writing a check and mailing it to the church. Listen now to the word of our Lord. I'll be reading from selected verses from 2 Corinthians. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia for doing a severe ordeal of affliction. Their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For, as I can testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means and even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. Now, as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in utmost eagerness, and in our love for you, so we want you to excel also in this generous undertaking. I do not say this as a command, but I am testing the generousness of your love against the earnestness of others. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. For in the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you. But it is a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need in order that there may be a fair balance. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower 
and bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way by your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us for the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by the generosity of your sharing with them and with all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of your surpassing grace of God that he has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So what is worse than your cat gifting you with a dead mouse or bird? It's your cat gifting you with a half-dead bird or mouse. Pity the poor mouse that ever makes its way into my house. At the introduction of any small living creature into my home, my otherwise sweet, lovable, good-natured cat Simba becomes a killing machine. More than once, I have been walking through a room, and I see something strange on the floor, and I lean down to take a better look and realize it's the back half of an obviously deceased ex-mouse. All that's left is maybe like one hind foot and a rump and a tail. And I know that I can look forward to meeting the front half of that same mouse later when Simba vomits it up. I learned early on that I can't even give Simba cat toys that have actual, any actual real feathers or leather in them. Once it contains anything natural, he no longer perceives it as a toy, but he perceives it as actual prey, and he will defend it. Several years ago, I purchased a somewhat expensive nativity set when I was in Santa Fe, New Mexico. It was made by a Native American artist who had adorned many of the figures with bits of leather and feathers, small feathers. And so one evening I heard a crash and ran into the family room to find the nativity in multiple pieces on the ground and Simba standing over it. And just as in the dead mouse, among the pieces on the floor was the bottom half of the baby Jesus. Then I looked in Simba's mouth and where he had the upper half of baby Jesus just hanging out of his mouth. I tried to grab it, which only sent Simba running. I chased him around the house for several minutes. And then when I finally had him cornered, he actually growled at me as I pr pried the rest of the baby Jesus out of his mouth. But at least that was easier to handle than what my late cat Poindexter once brought me. Now, back when I had dogs, I left the pet door open so all the pets could come and go from the outside as they pleased. And one evening, Poindexter came to the pet door and brought me a gift, something that was red and wriggling and in his mouth. He came into the kitchen and just deposited it on the floor. And there was a baby bird. It was red because it was so young it did not even have feathers yet. So what do you do with a featherless baby bird at 11 p.m. at night? 
Well, you wrap it in a towel to keep it warm. You try to give it some water with a water bottle that's designed for a hamster. And then you go online and try to find some sort of a bird rescue organization. And I did find one in Hutchins, Texas. And I drove there the first thing the next morning. Now, Hutchins may only be about 20 minutes from Duncanville, but from where I live in Denton, it took me an hour and a half in rush hour traffic to bring that bird to Hutchins. Now, once there, they identified it as a baby crow, and they promised to take the bird and raise it to adulthood and release it to the wild. And the price for assuaging my guilt over my cat's vicious assault on this baby bird was something like $50. When I told my friends later that I'd driven an hour and a half and paid $50 for a baby crow, they mocked me that I did all of that for just a common crow. But you know, crows are actually very intelligent. And regardless, a baby crow is a living creature whose worth is not dependent on either its intelligence or the fact that it is common. Poindexter intended and sought to bring me this gift of the baby bird. And animal behaviorists tell us that cats bring us their prey because they're trying to teach us how to hunt since we are so obviously lacking in that skill in their eyes. And it's true, my cats have never once seen me catch and eat a mouse or bird or even a lizard, but because they perceive me as family, their gift of that dead or half-dead animal is a gift of love. And they honestly do not understand why I am less than thrilled. But as they say, it's the thought that counts. Well, gift-giving is such a universal behavior that not only do we find it in every single human culture that we've ever encountered, we even find gift-giving behavior among animals as well. And it's one of the most common ways we have of saying, I love you. And our gifts often carry em enormous emotional or spiritual symbolism. Just think about the, what the giving and the receiving of rings mean as part of a wedding ceremony or the significance we give to the giving of possessions that are handed down from one generation to another. Now, the most meaningful gifts may or may not have high monetary value. Today, I decided to uh, wear my mother's gold cross. And yes, it could be considered expensive, but the real reason that I value it is because it was my mother's. And several weeks ago, I, um, I emailed some of the trustees because I was just beside myself when I realized that after opening all of the boxes from storage that were labeled either office or pastor study, none of them had included the ceramic communion baptismal set that was given to me by my friend Pat when I first became licensed to become a pastor. But luckily, I remembered that a few of the boxes had been mislabeled and if anyone else had opened that box and seen a communion set, they would assume that it belonged to the church and would probably put it in the credenza out in the Northex with our other communion wear, which is exactly where I found it. Sometimes, however, the most meaningful gifts are those that have been handmade. And this is why I, point, I pointed to the altar. Here you see near me is a handmade cross that was given to me by the Spanish language pastor and parishioners at my former church, Oak Haven, that, and they gave me, they made this cross and gave it to me after my father died. 
And you might see there on the far end, there's a rusty can that doesn't look very impressive. But inside is a Bible trivia game that my friends made for me when I was commissioned, which is the final step right before you become ordained. They took about 100 index cards and wrote a single Bible trivia question on each card. And they put it in this tin that they found, this rusty tin. You see, we often play board games together on Sundays when it's not football season. That, that their gift, however, was a game that we could play where it was guaranteed that I would always win. <laughs> it wasn't very expensive. In fact, it was only the, the cost of a pack of index cards. But the time and the thoughtfulness that went into that gift is priceless to me. So it's not surprising then that the giving and receiving of gifts is considered a love language. Now, two, two weeks ago, we began an exploration of the love languages of God through the lens of the vows of membership for the United Methodist Church. And as part of the rite of confirmation, people who are joining the United Methodist Church make a public profession of faith, and they take a number of solemn vows, which include, as a member of this congregation, will you faithfully participate in its ministries by your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? So these five things, prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness, are ways that we express our love and faithfulness to the church. But they're also ways that we express our love and faithfulness to God. And each of these five vows plays a vital role in our ongoing relationship with God. And each, each vow represents a way of deepening our discipleship. So every week during this sermon series, we're going to be taking a look at one of the United Methodist vows of membership and explore how it relates to the love of God, the love of neighbor, and the love of self. And we'll also be making a connection between these five vows and the five love languages as found in the 1992 bestseller by counselor Gary Chapman, The Five Love Languages, The Secret to Love That Lasts. And the premise of that book is that different actions make different individuals feel the most loved and valued. And if you recall, our first week, we explored what Chapman calls words of encouragement, that is, verbal expressions of love and appreciation. And we made the connection that words of encouragement correspond to our vow of prayer. We love others through the medium of language with our words of encouragement, and we love God through the medium of prayer which is the words that we use when we talk to God. And then last week, we looked at the love languages known as quality time, that some people feel the most loved and valued when someone spends significant amounts of uninterrupted, undivided quality time with them. And we connected the love language of quality time with the vow of presence. We love others for the gift of quality time, that is, by being fully present and giving someone our undivided attention. And we love our church through the presence of showing up and being present in the community. And finally, we love God through presence by spending uninterrupted quality time in, in prayer, in reading scripture or other spiritual literature, and sometimes by being just still and silent and listening for God's promptings in our hearts. So we do talk sometimes about loving God and others through the gifts of prayer and encouraging words or through the gift of presence and quality time. 
But when we talk about the vows of gifts and the love language of receiving and giving gifts, we're referring to gifts that are more tangible than words or presents, something like jewelry or a handmade cross. Now, one way to define a tangible gift is to say that a gift is any asset, resource, or item that you own or control that has economic, emotional, or sentimental value that you then share with or even transfer ownership to another. Now, for people whose primary love language is receiving gifts, they feel most love by receiving these tangible tokens of love. And for most of, most of them, and for most of the time, it doesn't need to be anything that's expensive or elaborate, just relatively frequent. It can include things like sending a card or leaving a note. Uh, one particularly appreciated tangible gift is cooking for somebody or arranging a party or a social occasion. My sister has uh, negative O blood, which is the universal donor. So she regularly gives this very tangible gift of a pint of her own blood every eight weeks. On a larger scale, our congregation could show love for the community with our newly reconstructed, refurbished building. Now in the past, we've offered our building to the Parkinson's community or for immunization clinics. And we've offered the public use of our labyrinth to anyone who wants to use it. So we need to be thinking, how do we want to gift our building forward to show the love and appreciation we have for our community. I want us to be thinking about that and maybe get some sort of a wonderful idea about a new way to use our building. We're only limited by our imagination. Now, of course, the giving and receiving of gifts is a central part of our relationship with God. And this all starts with the very generous gifts that God has given us. The beauty of creation, a fruitful earth, human love, grace, salvation, life itself. Our Methodist understanding of the sacrament of baptism emphasizes the grace and generosity of God. In the United Methodist Church, we practice infant baptism. For us, our understanding of baptism is that baptism is a sign of God's grace that reaches out to us in love before we are even able to conceive of God much less make any kind of a conscious decision to follow Christ. In baptism, God claims us as God's own. We become part of God's family, and that's never going to change, even if we choose to end up rejecting God. I mean, think about the story of the prodigal son. Even though the prodigal son turned his back on his family and his father and squandered his inheritance, the father never considered him anything other than a beloved son. And the father was still not through giving him good gifts to his when he finally returned. It says there in Luke 15, quickly bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of, man, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. All that son needed to do was to just come to his senses and realize and accept the gift of the unconditional love of his father. So in gratitude, how can we show our love to God through the love language of gifts? Well, primarily, we, 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 we show this through giving generous gifts to God's children. 
especially to, to the body of Christ, the church. But remember that tangible gifts to God or tangible gifts to the church can include using any of our assets for ministry or mission. It could mean using our home for a church gathering, using our vehicle in support of one of the church's ministries or, or buying food for the church kitchen. But we also have to name the obvious. We give gifts to God and to the church through our financial assets. And this happens primarily through regular gifts of money. Now, sometimes we might give the church an appreciated asset like stocks or real estate, but regular and predictable gifts of money are the financial backbone of the church and we cannot survive without them. You see, ultimately the way we spend our money is a profoundly spiritual matter. And there is a very strong correlation between our relationship with money and our relationship with God. Persons who are closer to God and further along in their spiritual development will almost always be those who give a greater uh, percentage of their income or their assets. And the reason is that generosity is a very accurate barometer of our spiritual state or condition. Now we may use terms like my money or my car, my house, my family, my church, or even myself. But in truth, none of these things belong to us. All of it belongs to God. We are merely stewards and trustees. We are not stewards. We are stewards, rather, not owners. As one successful industrial entrepreneur said, the question is not how much of my money I give to God, but rather how much of God's money I keep for myself. So in the end, the only gift we can really give directly to God is a grateful and a generous heart. As Connie read earlier, you'll be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. One of the songs featured in the, in the musical Godspell is entitled All Good Gifts. And uh, a previous week when Sally was here, we, we discussed our mutual love of that musical Godspell. The lyrics for this particular song, All Good Gifts, is taken from an 18th century German poem. And part of the lyrics read, We thank thee then, O Father, for all things bright and good, the seed time and the harvest, our life, our health, our food. No gifts have we to offer but for all thy love parts, but that which thou desirest, our humble, thankful hearts. All good gifts around us are sent from heaven above. So thank the Lord, oh thank the Lord, for all his love. Indeed, all good gifts are sent from heaven above. Now, I'm not sure that includes a half-eaten mouse found in my dining room but I am sure that Simba left his gift with the best of intentions. And so may we never forget the source of all our good gifts that we have received. Because as the psalmist says, know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to the Lord and bless God's holy name. Amen. 
Remember that you can always find recordings of our service on our website, tumcd.org, on our Facebook page, or auto recordings on our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. Continue to be praying for our church uh, as we do these finishing touches on our building. Pray for our ministry. Pray for what our next steps should be. And pray for all the wonderful things that God is doing for our church. And remember to thank God for three things every day. If you have not done so already, also remember to like us on Facebook. Now receive this benediction. Give thanks to God in all you do, for all you have, for every moment of your lives. God provides you with every blessing so that you may share it abundantly with all the world. So go in God's blessing. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope today's service was a blessing to you. Join us every Sunday here on Facebook Live at 11 a.m. Next Sunday, we'll continue our sermon series, The Love Languages of God. You can always access our services through our website, tumcd.org, our Facebook page, and our podcast, Jane's Most Excellent Church Adventure. God bless you in the week ahead. We'll see you Sunday at Trinity United Methodist Church.